Hey, Russell, let's check your sound just real quick. Three, two, one. Three, two, you sound, one. Yeah, you sound good there. You sound oh, good there. I, know, I, was, I was turned away from the- All right, got you. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from Dogs 24-7. And uh, Georgia's 1-0. It wasn't the way Kirby Smart wanted it to look. It wasn't the way Georgia fans wanted it to look. We're going to break that down for you. I've got some crow to eat and some stock to sell, apparently, uh, based from, from last show, from Thursday night show, and uh, it, because of the way that, that everything went down there in the first half. Uh, the Bulldogs win 37-10. Oddly enough, the biggest margin of victory in the SEC and maybe the most disappointing uh, win of them all. And uh, we're going to talk about who impressed us, and we're going to talk about where Georgia goes from here. And uh, I, I just want to start out with this. Uh, listen, I'm not ready to give up on Dewan Mathis. I still think he can be a good football player. Uh, I said on uh, I said on Thursday night show uh, our kind of our preview of the season, preview of the of the first game that I was buying all the stock I could get my hands on, and I don't know if I can unload it right now. I, I may have bought it today. Uh, because uh, it, I think I bought high, and, I, and I'm not going to be able to sell uh, very high very soon because he really struggled and, and did some good things. I think did, did show some flashes, but also showed that he hadn't played football in almost two years, and, uh, and that's just kind of the way it looked. And, and, and Rusty, I think you, you, based on your comments and some of the stuff you've posted over at Dogs 24-7, you would agree. Yeah, I mean, listen – Obviously, there was some frustration, and that's part of it. You know, if there were some, some board posters that were extremely frustrated and basically started taking it out on us, and Jake, you in particular, uh, let, me, let me say this. You know, we get our information, and where we get our information is as good as you could possibly get information. And I kept telling you things like there's going to be some highs and lows with him. Uh, I think there's going to be some really, really highs, and there's going to be some really, really lows. Now, He's shown that over a period of a couple of, what, six weeks in Athens that he had, you know, I would say he had two good, really good scrimmages, and he had the one where, I, you know, I came out and said nobody looked good because everybody I talked to said, man, the quarterbacks just did not have a great day. So nobody knew how he was going to play when there was live bullets. And I kept saying that's the only question. Uh, I, I did think his athleticism, and he showed that on the first series. You know, he he extended some plays and and those types of things. But man, he he took a shot, and then he didn't run out of bounds. He ran out of bounds basically two yards short without getting that first down. And I mean, he just never recovered. And I went back and watched just the offensive series. I was fast forwarding just through the offensive series, and I I one thousand percent agree with making that change because you got to make that change to win that game. I mean, they're, they're not giving up on DeJuan Mathis. I guarantee you he is going to have another opportunity to play and he's going to have opportunity this year. But they had to win that game. I'm not sure where they were going if the defense doesn't help them out. They win that game because I don't think people understand how good a D.C. Barry Odom is. Not real sure it came out, but LSU made a big-time run at Barry Odom and didn't get him. And to the credit of Sam Pittman, keeping him uh, on his staff, he'd only been there like, like a week. And, uh, I mean, Barry Odom had this kid. He was confused. Uh, he wasn't comfortable. He made a couple of bad throws. He never recovered. So, 
you know, I don't want to sugarcoat, and I said that this morning, that he, he didn't play well. But by no means am I saying write this kid off. But for right now, uh, George will have to make a, you know, George will have to make the best decision for them. We'll see where it goes this week. And credit to Stetson Bennett, man. Stetson Bennett came in, and, um, you know, just like a, a good relief pitcher, he came in, took the game over, and finished it off. And and uh, he, I was impressed with him and kind of, uh, you know, I've always heard he's had that moxie. I know, Jake, you've talked about him more than anybody that I follow. Uh, you've talked about him several times over the last year or so, and, and specifically a couple times this month. Uh, Stetson Bennett. Here's a young man that just kept grinding, kept grinding, and kept grinding. And when the University of Georgia needed him yesterday, he came through in a big way for them. Yeah, and and you've got to be happy for a kid to have that opportunity. I mean, former walk-on left for playing time. They tried their best not to let him leave. He does anyway. Actually, I think he uh, I think he left while I was. Uh, I think he decided to to uh, enter. Well, I don't know if the transfer portal was around, but he left the program while I was on the golf course. I was on like the eighth hole with my dad playing one of the one rounds we get to play a year. And uh, luckily our, our national desk kind of bailed me out on that when it was on a weekend, like a Saturday or Sunday or something. It was crazy. But uh, that, Let's uh, don't that forget is... why I broke him coming back, and that didn't go well on the board. <laughs> if anybody wants to bring that up, I think Kip can, can – all I said was Georgia's not done. Georgia's not done oh, for the night. Man. And I kind of dipped out. And, man, you would have thought when Stetson Bennett committed that – they were ready to hunt me down, and I'll tap myself on the back tonight. That was a pretty important post I made because they won a game yesterday for University. That's Sports. right. That's right. But you know, getting back to Mathis, all right. And this may, this is not. I didn't have this in mind before we started the show, but as you were talking, it, it kind of got me to thinking. And I look at Dewan Mathis's career, and, I, and obviously, it's not over. I, I firmly believe he's going to get another shot. I think there's there's some preparedness that can come. There's some lessons that can be learned off of that. But if you want to put kind of what happened to Dewan Mathis into a game, I look at the 2012 Georgia-South Carolina game at South Carolina, and here's why. Early on in that game, that place was rocking. It's crazy. Our guy Brad Crawford, who, who does our national, um, you know, who, who is a big national writer for us, uh, is a South Carolina uh, graduate. And, uh, you know, he, he talks about how that was the craziest environment he's ever been involved with. But there was a play earlier in that game, and I think, uh, I think it was a, a pass from uh, Steven Garcia to, to Demir Bird. And Bakari Rambo was right in line, right in the right spot at the right time to pick that ball off. And he had 18 of them in his career, okay? And he went up for it. He got two hands on it, and, and Demir Bird took it from him. And I think that – was Georgia's opportunity to win that game. And, and you will always wonder, you know, or, or to at least, you know, stay competitive in that game to make the big play early to kind of calm that crowd down and, and get in it. And you'll always wonder what happened if he would have come down with that interception. I feel the same way about Dwan Mathis, if not for those penalties on the first drive. Because if Dwan Mathis gets Georgia in field goal range and they knock one through or if he ends up scoring a touchdown on that first drive, that whole game may be different. And listen, that's not – I'm sitting here telling you I was wrong about how ready I thought he would be, okay? I, I'm, I was 100% wrong. But I do think that there was a window of opportunity there. I mean, he completed a couple passes on that first drive, converted a couple third down uh, – a third down or two on that drive. He had a nice run or two. 
and then there they get him behind the chains and he ends up trying to pick it up with his legs and get slobber knocked and and just look like a completely different kid first time he's been hit since probably november of 2018 by the way and that was something kirby smart talked about about not being able to hit the quarterback and and evaluating and and i think that the idea that what is Dewan Mathis going to do whenever he first, you know, when he gets laid out one good time, how's he going to react? And I think we kind of learned how he did react. I, I really believe that had an impact on him. But uh, he didn't get help. And I wrote that column too. I mean, I, I expected ups and downs. I expected some struggles. I didn't expect mostly downs, really. I definitely didn't expect that. I, I definitely expected him to bounce back. And, and I think he will long term. Uh, but but ultimately, I, I one of the things that I harped on was I thought he was going to need some help, and he didn't get any of it early on. And uh, and I think that really hurt him too. Uh, Kip, was there anything that you kind of took away from Mathis's performance, or or ma- anything good, anything bad that that, that kind of stood out to you as you watched the game? Well, I think you guys are right. It was kind of the perfect storm as far as just what went wrong for Georgia in that first half, especially that first quarter. You know, having eight penalties in a quarter, there were only two games last year out of 14 games where Georgia had more than eight penalties in the entire game. And they had eight in that first quarter. It was incredible. And you get – I mean, we've talked about Trey Hill, his ability, you know, just the physical talent he had. But the the two snaps that he he botched in that game, you just can't get that. You can't have that happen in, in, you know, an all-SEC schedule. And so, really – I think it all just kind of combined to to really make for a rough uh, intro to college football for Dewan Mathis, and it kind of just brings back why this season is so different and the challenge it presents. I mean, this was Georgia's spring football game. That's what this was. This is where you find out kind of what you have on the roster, and, I mean, it's an SEC opponent on the road. And unlike any other season, I, I mean, Georgia always has – a strong non-conference schedule, but, I mean, they still don't have an Arkansas State, a Middle Tennessee State. They don't have, you know, an Austin P coming up now. They just there There is no opportunity for them to see what they have from each quarterback during the game. Kirby's got a coach to try to win this football game next weekend with a very, very difficult opponent and a very strong defense. And so he's going to have to make that decision based on, what happens in the next couple of days in practice. And that's very difficult. And if we don't, I mean, at this time, we think the quarterbacks that he had in in the season opener are going to be the same ones he has at his disposal in the next game. Then, I mean, he's got a, he's got a tough choice to make. And, and it's really, it's gotta be frustrating and unfortunate for Dwan Mathis, just the way that it, it started for him, because there's just no margin for error. There's no opportunity for him to get more reps in, and people were wondering why didn't Stetson Bennett get more time with maybe the ones or, you know, the twos in practice early on in, in fall camp. I mean, Kirby Smart talked about it. I mean, this guy knows the offense. He doesn't have to worry about Stetson Bennett. He did need Dwan Mathis to get as many reps as he can because regardless if he was the starter or the number two, every rep mattered getting Dwan Mathis in there, knowing these are the quarterbacks you have. And a lot of people are kind of questioning – who Kirby Smart started at quarterback in this game. And I just don't think we got to see what Georgia's coaching staff saw from Dwan Mathis in fall camp. But at the t- same time, as you said, he hadn't got hit before. And so 
I mean, he's having to learn on the fly and react to adversity that he doesn't have a lot of experience with. So it's, it is frustrating. It has to be for, for both Dwight Mathis and that coaching staff, just the situation he's been put in. But I mean, it's, it's the sec and, and there's no, right now there's no time for you to catch your breath and figure it out later. You, you got to figure that thing out now because uh, you got to, major major opponent coming up next weekend rusty you, you've already hit on it and and talking about stetson bennett and i feel like we need to devote a little bit of time here to this sure. and and kip you you kind of rolled into something that i was going to talk about and that's guys basically no reps since georgia started mini camp which is a couple weeks before the start of preseason camp over the last eight weeks basically no number one reps for stetson bennett Almost zero. Uh, I mean, very well could be zero. I, I, I'm, I've been told that virtually no reps with the ones. Not even a ton with the twos. They put him out there with the threes a lot. And, uh, you know, listen, one of the you – know, Stetson Bennett hasn't played in a ton of ball games. That was just the fourth game he's ever appeared in. He threw one pass against LSU. He played last year against Murray State and Arkansas State. Looked pretty good in both games, although he did throw an interception in one of those. Um, but one of the things that, that gives him like a little bit of an edge from an experience standpoint is that dude ran 15 different offenses against Georgia's first team defense in 2017. He was the scout team quarterback every single week. He ran Alabama's offense, Auburn's, well, I guess 14 different offenses because he ran Auburn's offense twice, but he ran Auburn's offense, Alabama's offense, Oklahoma's, Georgia Tech's, uh, he, <laughs> He's run a lot of different stuff. He's run a lot of different offenses. They must have felt confident that he would be ready for his moment, even without those number one reps. And, and listen, for a kid, you know, listen, I grew up in South Georgia just like Stetson Bennett did. I, I grew up about 45 minutes from Pierce County, from Blackshear, Georgia, and it's, it's small, and it's, there's not a lot to it. Uh, but, I mean, it's a cool little town, good little golf course over there, or used to be. You never know how, they, how they're going to look down there. It depends on how much rain they get one summer as to whether a golf course survives or not almost. But, you know, he, he grew up down there. He grew up a Georgia fan. He came back to Georgia to back up Jake, Jake Fromm and to maybe get his opportunity. He got his opportunity and he cashed in. Um, I, I still think that Georgia's in the same boat that they've been the last few years at quarterback where – they still don't have a guy that's going to be able to put the team on their back. But I've always, you know, always kind of said that there are only a few that can actually do that. There, there are very few quarterbacks that can just put you on their back and, okay, well, everybody else is not playing well. I'm going to play well and make up for all of it. Stetson Bennett, just like Juan Mathis said in the last, last week's game, is going to need Georgia to play really well for him if he's the quarterback. But, it, but also I think it's worth noting that, Redshirt Jr., still not a lot of game experience under his belt, but a lot of practice reps. That, that attitude, that comfortability uh, factor that he brought to the, to the offense, the, the way he operated it, I mean, guys, that right there, Rusty, is exactly why they put such a premium. And, and listen, love him or hate him on J as far as Jake Fromm, overachiever, underachiever, don't really care. It's not really relevant right now. But I think it kind of showed why there's such a premium on being able to manage the offense. Because once the offense started getting managed, it started moving the football. It started supporting the defense. And that's when things kind of snowballed in Georgia's favor. I know a little bit behind the scenes on this because of some coaching contacts I've got. Uh, 
I probably can say it now because he's not the head coach, but Bobby Lamb would call me all the time for Mercer, and he wanted Stetson Bennett so bad. He kept trying to figure out if the kid was going to walk on at Georgia that first year, and obviously he did. And then when he left, he went to what do you go Jones Community College in Mississippi, played one season. You know who wanted him? Who was upset? That, that Georgia got him again, and it was Louisiana Lafayette, Billy Napier, and those guys. And look what they're doing. Because you imagine him there. Now, they got a great quarterback. But they wouldn't be missing a beat with Stetson Bennett either. And for Georgia to get Stetson Bennett, Kirby Smart had to give up a scholarship. And we know what scholarships are like around in Athens. They're, they're tight. So the belief in Stetson Bennett and knowing what they had in him and facing him every day, that scout team year, and then watching him in junior college. Uh, Georgia believed that this guy, you know, if we need him, he, he can be a guy for us. And he just kept on – Jake, you probably heard the same stories I heard. I kept, You know, I kept hearing that year, man, this kid is killing our, our defense. They're, they're tired of going against him. So, look, we know all that. We, we do know he's played some JUCO. And really, what some, some places are better than others in JUCO. So – not sure what type of team he had around and what type of coaching he's got in there, but I do know that two guys that that really, really know football really wanted him. And, uh, you know, Kirby Smart, to his credit, came and got him. And so, you, you know, the questions with Mathis, you know, what can he do when the bullets are going? Well, yesterday, there was a lot of questions on Stetson Bennett, and he answered a lot of them. Now, obviously the competition is going to step up. Let me Let me touch for one second on Arkansas. And nobody really cares because that's – that's. but let me tell you somehow how hard those kids played yesterday. And I've watched some Arkansas the last two years. They're going to they're gonna be lucky to win two games this year. But they are a million times improved. They are a million times improved on both sides of the ball. And that's a credit to those coordinators, Sam Pittman, all those guys. Uh, you know, and certainly they're playing hard for him. But – Getting back to the subject is, you know, we don't know a ton about Stetson Bennett. And as we record this on Sunday night, I anticipate him being the starting quarterback against Auburn this weekend in Athens. And, um, you know, he didn't look he didn't look like the game was too big for him yesterday. I mean, he, he didn't have the big eyes. I mean, he stepped in the huddle. And we've all played on a certain level. To me, when he hit that pylon on the two-point conversion, Go watch how many players come up to him. And that tells you a ton. Players on both sides of the ball came up and congratulated him, chest bump, whatever. He's a pretty popular dude in that locker room. I can tell you that just from that little um, reception after that hell of a play he made uh, to get a two-point conversion. Now, I'm I'm not going to sit here and try to convince anybody that Stetson Bennett is is the savior or Stetson Bennett is a championship-caliber quarterback. I, I really don't know if I'm being 100% honest. I have my doubts about it. Um, he's kind of made it where he is by kind of overcoming the odds, defying the odds. I mean, I'll never forget Mel Tucker's face uh, prior, to the, uh, prior to the Rose Bowl when we spoke with him and we asked him about Stetson Bennett and him playing Baker Mayfield that week in practice and – I still have the audio on my phone. Mel Tucker said Stetson Bennett's a beast, man. And he just got real serious. And and if you know Mel, you know what, you know, you know what look. I've spent a little time around him. 
I'm kind of out and about, uh, you know, state track meet, stuff like that, just kind of talking with him. And um, he, he actually had the exact same thing to say about Tim Jennings because he coached him with the Chicago Bears. And uh, he, he, he has a lot of respect for him. I have my doubts as to whether or not he can beat Alabama. I, I don't know if we'll learn if he can beat Auburn because I, too, believe he's going to be the starting quarterback. I don't think you've got a choice right now, especially to get the game off the – off the you know to kind of get it off the ground a little bit I think you've got to go in there and start him and give him the number one reps and see how he develops and and what he looks like but this is a guy who sometimes in practice would go 10 of 10 15 of 15 against Georgia's first team defense and in the red zone go you know bat 90 percent on third down against that 2017 defense that had some ballers on it so I mean he, he's a good player and, and I think you showed that some Saturday but but you know you talk about that pylon play Rusty uh, that's not a play you see from a 5'11", 190-pound quarterback very often. No. You know, you see a Cam Newton fight through a tackle or something. God, somebody's going to say I'm comparing him to Cam Newton, and God Almighty, I'm not. Go, I know they're different. Good job, Jake. Good but job. But you see, you see these big physical quarterbacks fight through those tackles and do stuff like that. But that was just a lot of want to. That was just a lot of determination, a big play in that game. I, I think that was as big a play – in getting the momentum shifted every bit as much as, as throwing the touchdown to Pickens, which was a big play because it, it was second and goal from the 19. I was thinking, well, here we go. George is going to kick a field goal, go up eight to seven, then bam, Stetson Bennett throws a, throws a, uh, a seed to, to George Pickens over in the flat. Pickens does Pickens things and, and turns it into a touchdown, and, uh, and, and that was that. But I think the two-point conversion is kind of what really got Georgia fired up about that football game and, and really kind of led to the, to the kind of the deluge that, that came after. Um, Kip, tossing to you here real quick, do you, was there anything particular that you were impressed with or think that Stetson Bennett could do better? Well, I think what, what he brings is what Kirby Smart has always placed a high value on and just – Never, there never being a moment too big for him. Just having somebody that he knows he can depend on to not only take care of that football, but make make the right decisions and make them quickly. I think that's the one thing that kind of stood out to me about Stetson Bennett was that he he wasn't waiting around to you know to to see how the play would unfold and somebody trying to get wide open. I mean, he would he would make the read, he would go through his progressions, and he would get that ball out to whoever he needed to as quickly as possible. And, and I mean, that that was the difference in the game and that offense being able to, to get moving, which is him firing that ball out. I mean, the the pass protection w- was fine for most of the day. I mean, Arkansas really – I mean, they didn't really have a huge impact, you know, in that, in, in that aspect. I don't – I mean, I know they had uh, two or three sacks in the game, but, I mean, those those ended up being really coverage sacks. My eyes is, you know – there, there were issues with just footwork and, and going through those progressions and, and finding finding the guy as quickly as possible. And I just think that that is the difference. Stetson's going to be able to do that quickly, and he knows when to tuck that thing and go, and he knows when to be patient and, and, and see uh, how things are kind of developing in the play. So I just think just having that presence, whether it's in the pocket or outside the pocket, is, is just something that, I mean – like I said, Kirby likes a lot, and I think that is where Georgia is going to have a chance still against a, a tough SEC opponent once again, obviously, in, in Auburn. is the fact that you know that 
whatever Todd Monken wants to do with this offense and, and whatever he asks of Stetson that, you know, I don't think he's going to have a problem, you know, running the offense, running in whatever plays he packages he wants him to do. I, I don't think that mentally there are going to be any issues with that. And physically, I think he, he has what it takes to, to get the ball out and get the ball downfield because, I mean, I was impressed with his arm out there. Absolutely, and we're going to get to this more on uh, on Thursday whenever we preview the Georgia-Auburn game. Um, but another thing that really helped Stetson Bennett was they got some things figured out in the run game and on the offensive line. And when you saw Zamir White catch, you know, pick up 20 yards and 11 yards and 13 yards a clip, that's when things really started to open up for the offense. And it was even opened up a little bit more on third down there too and and you know James Cook had his struggles Rusty we look really bad with our breakout players really bad uh but but as far as game one goes but there's a nine of them left and and that there's a lot of chapters still be written in this book uh before we go to a break I I want to I want us all to have an opportunity to an aspect of the game an aspect of the team a coach a player who impressed you on Saturday Rusty Outside of Stetson Bennett. Outside of Stetson Bennett. Um, I'm actually going back and watch the defensive side right now, just watching. You know, Jordan Davis is that guy. I tell you who played a little bit more than I thought yesterday and and different packages and that type of deal was Nolan Smith. We all know Aziz Ojolari. Just going back and watching it, I think that Nolan um, is a guy that um, we've all covered, we've all known. He's kind of that. He's kind of a grown man now, and he's so fast and he's so physical, and he's not the biggest guy. You know, he's probably legit, probably six two and a half, maybe six, maybe six three. Uh, but, but but I thought Nolan Smith kind of off the radar had a really good game. I think Jermaine Johnson, some of the preseason stuff, Jake, me and you had both had heard. Um, you know, this is a big year for him. Now the obvious suspects: Stokes, Tyson Campbell. Um, you know, Tyson Campbell getting the start over DJ Daniel, Tyreek Stevens getting the start over Mark Webb. All those guys played a ton. But uh, I, I think that that if, you, if I got this one, maybe one and a half, I'll go that Nolan Smith was was that guy I think that's going to be very, very, very good at Georgia. And I think Jermaine Johnson has taken a next step. Now, that they got all the guys that we thought was going to be really good uh, are good. It's on the defensive side of the ball. But – uh, man, I'm watching defensive plays right now, and, and you just see Jermaine Johnson flying around, and that is very, very good news for University of Georgia. You know, what was uh, odd is uh, they traveled four of the six or seven, seven scholarship outside linebackers, and they traveled all seven scholarship inside linebackers. Tresman Marshall, Ryan Davis, Nate McBride, Channing Tindall, and then Quay Walker, uh, Monty Rice and uh, and Nakobe and, and Dean. So I thought that was pretty interesting because they traveled as many as five or six outside linebackers last year, and they rolled with four on the road this week. And uh, I wonder if if once they get the quarterback situation kind of ironed out, if they don't travel three quarterbacks and maybe take Walter Grant or or take Robert Beal or or, or even MJ Sherman, uh, just as kind of some depth issues there. Uh, but, you know, four is kind of a low number for that position based on the past. Uh, Kip, I- I'm I'm hoping that you don't take mine, but go ahead. Who's, who impressed you? Uh, well, it's it's a major aspect that we really had no idea what to expect in this game. 
a new you're face. taking it. You're the taking new it. face on, on the program, and I'm giving it to Scott Cochran. God dang, man, you took it. I mean, come on, man, a guy who had never God. coached what and ever coached at all, coming out there, and I mean, special teams kept them in this game the whole time. I mean, unbelievable play after play. Jake Camardo. I mean, we knew. I mean, he had had a a strong season in, in 2019. So, I mean, he was kind of that one aspect we, we had felt pretty good about. But, man, he, there were games where if he wasn't on, I mean, it, it, was, it was off and on a little bit. He'd go hot and cold in games. But in that game, I mean, having seven inside the 20-yard line and still averaging, I think, 49.9 yards a punt, uh, that was incredible. I mean, he flipped the field over and over again. We had two two made 38-yard field goals. I mean, having Rodrigo gone, you didn't know what you really had there. I mean, you, you got a guy that, you know, you know you can trust. And then, gosh, my favorite play may have been, I mean, you got Zamir White uh, blocking a punt. I mean, that that was strong right there. And then the return game, I mean, we, we weren't even completely sure who they were even going to have out there, at you know, in the return game. Just had guys leave and, and – not being able to really see them out there. That's the one aspect of practice that, you know, that the, the five, ten minutes they let Jake see, I mean, that's the one thing you, you often get a little bit of a beat on. And so we're kind of – it's kind of a guessing game a little bit. But, man, Kenny McIntosh looks strong. I mean, he had speed that I didn't know he had on those two kickoff returns. Uh, and then Karis Jackson, strong game from him. Uh, but two punt returns, averaging 17 yards. I mean – I remember when just, you know, reeling that thing in was the biggest moment on the punt return. I mean, anytime you can get any positive yardage out of that maintain possession, it's a huge bonus. So averaging 17 yards of return is real strong. And then, I mean, Tyreek returned a punt for 23 yards as well. So you know you got guys that can gain you that hidden yardage you need and, and what's probably going to be several close games this year. Um, and then all, I think all but one of the kickoffs went into the end zone. I just think the special teams kind of won the day for me. I mean, the Scott Cochran's first, you know, first game out there, he, he kind of, he gets, he gets the, the, the badge on this one, man. I, I think he had to walk away feeling real good about that unit and knowing that, I mean, they could be the difference in multiple games this year. So yeah, tip my cap to Scott Cochran, a guy that, when Kirby Smart hired him away, most people thought, well, yeah, he wants him because he's going to be a strong recruiter. And in a year when Scott Cochran hasn't been able to have any in-person contact with any recruit, host any recruit this entire spring and summer, and now we know he's not going to be able to do it in the fall as well, him making an impact, you know, actually coaching uh, on the field is just something that, you got to tip your cap to Kirby Smart. He brought in a guy that, after one game, has done a pretty strong job. Absolutely. And uh, since I was going to say the same thing, I, there's nothing else I could say. I'd love to be able to argue with you and be interesting right now, but I can't. Um, 535, that's a key number, because that's how many yards Georgia had offensively and in the return game combined. Georgia had 148 yards on returns. Most of that coming from Kenny McIntosh, who had 91 yards on two kickoff returns, uh, had a couple that went right near midfield. You had the 23-yarder from Tyreek Stevenson. You had two returns for 34 yards from Kiaris Jackson. And when you add those in, 
that helps you kind of gobble up field position. And I know Georgia didn't really take advantage of a couple of those returns in the first half, but they really helped in the second half. And uh, I, I thought, you know, I watched a lot of football, and it was the first Georgia game I haven't been to um, since the 2014 Belt Bowl. It's the first game I haven't been in the press box for since then. So I got to watch a lot of football Saturday, a ton of the Florida uh, – um, the Florida uh, – I'm losing my mind here uh, – uh, Ole Miss game. Uh, Kentucky, Auburn, watched a lot of that one. Tennessee, South Carolina, LSU, Mississippi State. Watched all, almost all of them and, and watched a lot of them. Georgia's special teams was the only special teams unit that made a winning impact on the game, I felt like, uh, as a whole. Because, you know, you brought up the kicking. Obviously, you know, Jack Pudlesny hits all of his PATs and a couple of 38-yard field goals. You had the return game. The coverage game was also on point. I mean, you know, the, for Jake Camarda to knock a couple of those punts down, he needed guys down there to cover it. Tyson Campbell was down there every single time. Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint, big-time tackle on a kickoff return. Um, you know, they, they had two different punt returners do well, which lets you know that they've got athletes to return it and athletes to kind of hold guys up and get the blocks. And, I, and uh, that was huge, too. But the special teams had a massive day. If that's any indication as to how things are going to go under Scott Cochran, Georgia fans should be really, really excited about that. Um, I'm going to go, since, since can't go with special teams, I'm going to go with tight end play. And it's not necessarily just, oh, wow, the tight ends caught a few balls. I mean, they only caught three, four balls, I guess, if you, if you throw Brett Sither in there in, uh, in, in mop-up duty. Uh, but, you know, John Fitzpatrick, out of nowhere, catches his first career touchdown pass. All of a sudden, he's got the same amount of touchdown passes as Charlie Warner had in his career. Um, you, you had Darnell Washington grabbing a 26-yarder on the field goal drive before the half. Um, also, a couple clips of him blocking, one of them in pass protection where he just kind of throws a shoulder into a defensive end and knocks him down. <clears throat> and then you've got, you know, Sither coming in and doing what he did. I thought that unit kind of made a little bit of an impact on the game, especially when you consider, you know, Trey McKitty being out. And uh, that's, that's a spot, I think, that, that can be a strength for this team, definitely when McKitty gets back. And I'll be interested to see how many they use because Georgia started in a two-tight end set. Uh, you want to talk about Todd Monk and bringing the air raid to Georgia? I don't really think so. It's, it's very much pro style and, and uh, very much pro style with some spread elements, but started out in a two-tight end set. And, and uh, those guys should just get better with more experience. He's got a couple of massive dudes there. And uh, – and, and John Fitzpatrick and, and, and Darnell Washington. I mean, both are six seven or taller. Both of them are, are you know, 250 or better. Maybe maybe uh, Fitzpatrick's more around 245. And then you add Trey McKitty in there at six foot five, 240 pounds. And uh, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of beef. That's a lot of athleticism. That's a lot of mismatch issues. And, uh, you know, I think, I think just having that is going to kind of keep some teams honest to uh, run in zone versus man because – and if you run zone coverage, then I think Stetson Bennett kind of showed you that he loves to look over the middle of the field of those big tight ends, use them as a security blanket. And, and uh, you know, as you've heard from a bunch of different coordinators, Jake Fromm, said, too, you can't go broke making a profit. And if you're eating up seven or eight yards on first down or second down with those guys, it's, it's almost an extension of the run game if they can catch the ball consistently. Let's take a break real quick, and, and we're going to go back to quarterbacks on the other side of the break and talk about kind of where Georgia goes from here and uh, kind of what this quarterback competition is going to look like. Maybe talk a little JT Daniels as well. All 
All right, Rusty, going to lead, lead us off here. Uh, you've said that you think Stetson Bennett is probably going to get the start this week. Uh, when, you, when you look at Auburn and you look at the games going forward, what is the biggest key? I mean, we've, we've pointed to the fact that he didn't get any number one reps. What is the biggest key you think going forward to kind of maybe helping him develop, maybe maxing out his game to give Georgia the best chance to win? Well, obviously the package they're going to put in this weekend um, will be a package they feel like his skill set will give Georgia the best chance. Now, I said this with Dewan Mathis. When JT Daniels gets healthy, he'll have his say in this. Now, I'm only going off a few things, and I'm not 100% saying it yet, but I don't think he's going to be cleared for this Auburn game. And I had a couple of people DM me go, look, they've got to clear him. It's, it's not that simple. They, it's his body. How's his body reacting and, and those type of things. And we don't know exactly. I, I was told uh, there was some soreness and those types of things. And uh, after a scrimmage maybe a week ago that, that he hadn't had yet, so kind of shut him down a little bit. you got to be real careful of this stuff. So let me answer that question in saying that JT Daniel is going to have a say in this, this quarterback job at Georgia at some point. I firmly believe that Dewan Mathis is going to have a say. But I think going into this Auburn game, which is a massive game for a million different reasons, Georgia is going to have to have a guy that's given them a sample size. Todd Munkin knows what he can do with him in a game. Uh, he has now seen him with, what, two quarters of – two and a half quarters of reps. So that's a lot for an offensive coordinator to say, hey, I can call this package with him in there, and that's huge. So I think they're going to come out and give him some packages, probably going to give Auburn some looks. They didn't see this week with him because you'll have a full week to work with him. But, you know, um, I, you know I thought our board was going to have a totally different reaction to Stetson Bennett. Now, everybody wants to know about JT Daniel, but I thought the board – I'm just going to be brute, honest, brutally honest here. I thought the board was going to be like, oh, man, not Stetson Bennett. But for the most case, the junkyard has been, hey, let's roll with this guy and see what happens. Now, obviously everyone wants to know what JT Daniel can do because he's a former five-star. He's, got, he's played a good bit, and um, he's a high-level quarterback. But right now I think you just kind of sit back and say, hey, Stetson Bennett has earned the opportunity to win another big game at Georgia, and I believe he's going to get the opportunity this week, and I think that Todd Monken has a sample size now. Todd Monken knows what he checked in and what he checked out of, and did he make the right reads. We do not, but he will know, having two and a half quarters, that, hey, this guy can run this offense. That's what I think going into this week, that Todd Monken knows what he has in Stetson Bennett, and he did not know, we did not know, and Georgia did not know, and DeWan Mathis did not know how he was going to handle it when the game was live and it was real. You know, I, I just keep going back to those first-team reps, man. And, and listen, I, it may not end up being a big deal. It may not end up being anything. But I just feel like if Stetson Bennett, for the first time in, in like, as live of action as you're going to see in practice – threw the ball to George Pickens on Saturday for the first time, that a full week of work should make that better. Same with with 
with uh, Kiaris Jackson, who who had a big game, by the way, probably got left out with us on impressiveness because, I mean, it's the guy that led Georgia receptions, receiving yards, and, and you know, had 34 yards in punt returns. Yes, yes he did. He, yep. he had a very good game. And, and you like to see it from him because he's, he's had so many injury issues this year. Kip, was that your breakout player? I was going to say it goes without saying that that I would have <laughs> recognized how well he played. <laughs> when, when, it, when it's a Kip's pick to click, uh, you just uh, lock that yeah. in and walk away. So, uh, well, why didn't you go with him, man? Leave Scott cocking up to me. I had some good stuff teed up. Because I wanted to, I wanted to both get your pick and still be able to come back around and pat myself on the back. So, I, okay, I, yeah, that's uh, dude. I, I can't yep. argue with that strategy. Kip just came out like Miami did in the 80s with just smoke, just come walking out, hands holding up. I mean, he just came out with a perfect entry. I, I, Rusty, I got to laugh about this because, you know, I, I, you know, to let you guys behind the, uh, behind the ropes a little bit, we recorded this thing via Zoom, and I'm sitting here looking at the screen, and as soon as I bring up Kiaris Jackson, Kip's mute button goes off. Oh, yeah. Oh, he yeah. flipped the mute button. Kip was, was Kip was getting ready. He was coming hey, in hot. Like a tag team wrestling match. He knew he was about to come in the ring. He was coming in hot, but yeah, um, but but you know, I, I think that you know when you see, when you see him make some of those throws, those first team wide receivers, and then you realize he didn't really get a chance to build a lot of chemistry with those guys, then you know maybe there's some more to tap into in terms of what he can do in this offense and and timing and and some of those things. Maybe that opens up the playbook a little bit for him um, because if if they weren't necessarily anticipating having to use him, he didn't get a lot of second-team reps uh, coming into this game either, then, you know, you might you might get a better product. You might get better play from Stetson Bennett. And he went 20 of 29 for 211 yards, I believe it was, 211, 219 yards. Uh, yeah, 211 for two touchdowns and, and had some impressive runs too. I'll say this about him too. <clears throat> uh, his quickness – in the pocket was something that was raved about back in 2017. He's slippery, stuff to get a hand on. That kind of showed true as well. Uh, he, he definitely feels the rush and can keep his eyes downfield. Um, Kip, Stetson Bennett starting quarterback, what would you do? What would kind of be your game plan, and, and wh- how would you kind of attack Auburn having seen Stetson Bennett for an extended amount of time? I mean, I, I, I think that the slot position and just – attacking the middle of the field is exactly where I, I would go against Auburn. And I mean, I enjoyed seeing that aspect of Georgia's offense last weekend. I mean, for all, you know, the, the negative, I guess, reaction to what Georgia put on the field last weekend, just looking back overall on that game, it, you still saw parts of that offense that, you hadn't really seen as much in the last, I guess, year and a half. I mean, and so I just think it opens up. There, there's more upside to a Stetson Bennett-led offense than what people think because there are a lot of playmakers in this team who just don't have the experience, and it is getting thrown into the fire and getting and getting better week after week. I think that, I mean, this offense has an opportunity to still do everything, accomplish everything they set out to begin the year and you have a lot of young guys out there carving out new roles gaining confidence and I mean I think you saw that like I said with Kiaris we we said it like he he needed to stay healthy he he has the talent and he showcased some of it out there and you have other guys that made young mistakes out there that made both quarterbacks you know not look as good as they probably could have I mean Jermaine Burton a true freshman out there I mean he 
there are there are some plays that he'd like to come back have back, but he's going to be able to to look, look at that on film and and fix it and, and know next time you know to run the right route and to you know to know exactly when the ball is going to come to you and and aspects like that. And so I think a sets a bit at led Georgia offense can can be explosive and they can push the ball downfield and they can play with tempo and it could really really put a lot of pressure on, on Auburn's defense, especially, you know, if they're going to bring pressure, there's going to be aspects of the underneath coverage that he's going to be able to attack and, and move the ball downfield. And some of these guys really have a, you know, ability to make a lot of plays after the catch as well. And, and I was impressed with, like you said earlier, I mean, Georgia's tight end play, I thought it was solid. And guys that we didn't know really what we were going to see as far as how they look in the offense, what their roles are going to be. Uh, Fitzpatrick was moved around a lot. Uh, you, I mean, everybody noticed when Darnell Washington was on the field, there was no way not to. And, I mean, for someone who had had an injury earlier in the offseason, uh, didn't know what he was going to bring to the table immediately, you knew he had a lot of talent, thought he had a solid game out there and ha- had some – great run block plays and there's a video on Twitter right now of him uh making his presence known of being a six foot five a six foot seven and a half 270 pound uh tight end out there that guy is going to be trouble uh, you know whether it's in the run game or whether he's out there being a huge target in the red zone so I, I think there is a lot to like from this offense with Stetson Bennett at quarterback he knows who all of his playmakers are and he's got a lot of weapons out there. Uh, I think, honestly, for me, the key isn't so much whether Stetson Bennett's at quarterback. It's which five offensive linemen are going to give Georgia the the best quality of play in both pass blocking and run blocking because I, I think that's a little bit of what carried over from last season. I mean, they had three guys that, you know, went to the NFL and another guy transfer, but I still see it's kind of the, the – similar issues out there where they're pretty pretty solid and pass pro but just there are a lot of gains that can be made in, in the run game and a lot of it comes from you know getting those five best offensive linemen lined up there and that's something that Matt Luke's gonna need to sit down and with the rest of the coaching staff and, and kind of figure out I mean they're gonna rotate guys in but I mean that is the one area where you, you got to be locked and loaded and and with a little margin for error, you got to have the right group out there. So that's really what I'm interested in seeing next weekend more than Stetson Bennett because I feel pretty confident he can go out there and play a net positive game for Georgia and give them a great opportunity to win that football game. And once again, you're inside my head because I was about to go into that. Um, looking forward to next week's game <clears throat> and about to wrap this thing up here. Looking forward to next week's game. What's the one thing you think Georgia has to work? I mean, they're going to work on everything this week, but the one thing that you really believe they need to hone in on, and and the one thing for me, Kip, was going to be that run game. I think you've got to get focused um, preparation uh, when it comes to putting in the run game for Auburn because it's going to be a different story altogether. Auburn's going to be man coverage heavy, single high safety, uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna get in their Georgia's face at the line of scrimmage. They're gonna jam guys. They're gonna force them to to kind of beat it to get a clean release. 
And in order to kind of loosen that up a little bit, and, and you, you oftentimes think, well, if teams are in zone, that's when you really want to be able to run the football well because then you can affect the zone because everybody's kind of watching the ball. Well, one of the ways it helps <clears throat> against man coverage is your runs can get more explosive against man coverage because you've got guys with their backs to the lines of scrimmage trying to cover people, and receivers don't have to block as well because they can run guys off. Well, you can also take that middle field safety out of play in a lot of instances uh, with the play action and get the ball over the top a little bit better. Uh, but, but I just think that when you look at how Georgia ran the ball in the second half with Zamir White, it got so much better. It loosened everything so much more up. And I think that that has to be a major, major focus this week for Georgia because Auburn doesn't have the same defensive front. It's, it's good. It's, it's a solid front. It's, it's definitely um, – they, they've definitely reloaded to an extent there based on what I saw against Kentucky. And Kentucky's got a good offensive line. But settling in on those five or six guys you're going to use, figure out who you want to tackle, if it's Warren McClendon, if it's Owen Condon. I think McClendon probably played better on Saturday than Condon who got the start. Uh, but they got to get settled on the offensive line and get it really uh, get, get things crisp in the run game and maybe put some stuff in that's going to give Auburn some trouble. Rusty, what's the one thing that you would say that Georgia needs to focus on this week to kind of be successful against Auburn, offensively or defensively? Um, you guys have pretty summed that thing up pretty good. I think the running game, obviously, is something that Georgia has to get going. Um, I want to see – how they incorporate these tight ends because, you know, Jake uh, Kip talked about Darnell Washington and Fitzpatrick obviously was, um, you know, pretty impressive. I, I'm watching the, you know, replay again right now. And these guys are blocking well, man. And um, I want to see how they get those guys involved. Uh, Jermaine Burton, how they get Kiaris Jackson involved a little bit more. End of the day, sometimes you don't overthink things. And George Pickens, a former Auburn commit, who will draw a lot of attention from that Auburn secondary? Uh, can how many times he touch it? Because you can scheme up all kind of stuff you want. At the end of the day, George Pickens is a playmaker. He is a problem. He is a matchup problem. I'm not seeing Auburn with with the biggest bunch of defensive backs right now. So you know how how can they scheme up and how can they instruct? Probably Stetson Bennett and say, look. We got those some targets to, to George Pickens, and we got to get we got to find ways to get creative, maybe stack him so they can't, you know, double team him. Those types of things. We got to give him the ball. Absolutely, and that that's that's a big one too because you know I was I probably watched the SEC final show about nine times this morning while I was working. It was just on constant loop, and Roman Harper said that over and over again. Obviously, just one time, but it played over and over again in my head, which was get George Pickens the football. If if you if they threw it to George Pickens every play offensively, they would be successful. Probably not maximum success, but successful because he's that good. He's Kip, is there he's one thing you feel like Georgia best. has? What's he's that? Their, he is their best player on offense. Yoda, there's no doubt about it. There, there's no doubt about it. So let's let's find a way to get him the ball, and good things happen. Yeah, absolutely. And in man coverage, you open up some possibilities with pick routes, rub routes, natural stuff. Uh, that can kind of, uh, you know, you can kind of put him in motion and get him off the press and, and do some really creative stuff there. And I, I don't doubt that Todd Monken will be pretty heavily uh, involved in that this week. And, and, you know, Pickens didn't have the best game against Auburn last year. It was more of the Dominic Blaylock show with that long touchdown. But, uh, but, but he can definitely make a massive impact on this game. Uh, Kip, is there any one area that hasn't been mentioned that you would kind of, uh, kind of harp on 
offensively or defense for Georgia that they got to really hone in on this week? Well, I I do think it's interesting that, you know, the – probably the two best players in this game are, I mean, going to be George Pickens and Seth Williams. Anyone who watched that Auburn game against Kentucky, I mean, Bo Nix could throw it wherever he wanted to, and Seth Williams was coming down with that ball. And I thought it was funny. Uh, you know, the announcers a couple times they called the throw a dime, and it was, I mean, he he better be getting uh, at least a nickel back and change on, on a couple of those throws because it was not in the vicinity of Seth Williams at all, and, and he would – climb the ladder and, and come down with the football. Very impressive. I'm interested to see, you know, just that matchup, whether he's lined up in front of Tyson Campbell or Eric Stokes. I mean, we're going to get a hell of a matchup right there. That is an NFL scout. I mean, they're going to be lining up that film to watch, uh, you know, for, for the future drafts there because it's two NFL players that are going to be going at it whichever side of the ball he lines up on. And then, for me, I mean, I'm kind of interested in your guys' opinion. If there's one person who earned a lot of pl- more playing time from that first game for Georgia, it's got to be Kenny McIntosh. I mean, we, we you talked about James Cook before, and we talked about how last year I was ringing the bell for James Cook every single week. And Kenny McIntosh was kind of, you know, that forgotten man. Injuries, you know, didn't really get to see a chance a chance to see what he could really do. But when he was in that football game Saturday, I mean, he had an outstanding game in my opinion. And I thought, you know, he's kind of earned maybe that opportunity to maybe be in line for for more carries, maybe push James Cook for, for some of those carries that James Cook got uh, last week. What do you guys think? I mean, do you think that Kenny McIntosh it should be – pushing for that number two tailback job going into week two? Watching him run those kickoff returns, I, I would find a way to get a ball in his hands because he looked he looked really fast. Um, he's, I think folks get a little bit of a, of a the wrong impression about him. I think they think he's like this big, massive back. He's not. I've seen him in person a couple times here recently. And uh, he's probably 205, 210, but he's explosive. He's quick. He's, he's got a great running back build, and, and I think he can, can handle those between the tackle carries, and I think he can also be really shifty and, and kind of create some things for Georgia. Uh, Rusty, what's your take? I, I, you know, that's, that's a guy that I have um, – I, I was impressed with him last year. He's got really good balance, and I think he's got great vision, and he always seems to be, you know, landing forward. I mean, getting positive yards, showed some uh, looseness on those kickoff returns. So – I certainly think if I'm if I'm grading that tape that, that we find a way to get Kenny McIntosh at least some more touches uh, going into the Auburn game because I, I think he was very impressive. But uh, James Cook's a guy that I do know for a fact that that offensive staff is really, really high on and uh, we've got to find some ways to make some plays for him. But I think Kenny McIntosh certainly earned uh, some more touches this week, in my opinion, agreeing with you guys. Well – Georgia fans, you can only hope that Todd Munkin has listened to the second half of the show because we've we've laid the game plan out there for him. If he follows it to a T, they'll beat Auburn by fifty uh, because was we we've we've really nailed it down. Um, I think that's that's basically the gist of the show. And uh, you know, if any of you have an inside connection to Todd Munkin, you probably need to send it over to him and, and to ensure victory. And otherwise, it's just a flip of the coin. Uh, but. That's all we've got for this show. And we'll be back later on in the week to preview Auburn. It'll be Georgia versus Auburn, Deep South's oldest rivalry. 
Um, we we will we'll talk about uh, we'll predict the game. Uh, we'll take everything we've heard from the week of practice and kind of what we think is going to happen. We'll do all of that. But for this episode, that's all we've got. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. And you all take it easy. Mm-hmm.